Well, we've made it to the end of the year. Christmas is over, everything is winding down, just a few more days until we turn the page on 2021. I love a new year. Anything can happen. And since I'm an optimist, that anything is full of hope. I love a fresh start. But today, we're going to keep our feet grounded in 2021. We're going to review our spiritual journey together through the past 52 weeks and hopefully tie everything together in a way that lets us see how far we've come. I'm Chris Voigt, and I lead the pastoral team here at Dayspring. Our team is committed to helping you grow in your relationship with Jesus, whether you are here in the room or watching online, live, or on demand at some point in the future. If you are visiting Dayspring today, we pray that you find Dayspring the kind of church that you want to call home. This is a safe place to come as you are and discover who God is calling you to become. And even if you're just checking out Jesus, not really sure whether following Christ is for you, welcome. You can learn more about us as a church by exploring our website at dsf.church, by checking out our Facebook page, or contacting us by phone or email. If you need help figuring out the next step to making Dayspring your home church, or if you just have questions, let us know we'll help you find the answers. For today's service, you can find study questions by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. And now, let's join our service. Well, of all the years we've ever had, 2021 has certainly been one of them. I'm going to go out on a limb here and suggest that while it may have been filled with its own ups and downs, 2021 was a a little better than 2020. Of course, I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel with that one. It isn't hard to be better than 2020. I think we spent much of 2020 in shock that our world was turned upside down. But in 2021, we seem to settle into the rhythm of our new normal, I guess. Of course, that doesn't mean that we really like our new normal. It just is what it is. But overall, the kids are back in school. Restaurants are open. By Thanksgiving, airports were as full as pre-COVID days. And some of the vitriol of politics has faded away, just waiting to rear its ugly head again in this next election cycle. Or maybe it's just that us uh, normal folk on the ground away from Washington, D.C. have tuned out the noise of scaremongering in favor of trying to make the best of trying circumstances. It's not all good, clearly, but life goes on. Now, here at Dayspring, looking back, it's been a pretty good year. Uh, We've learned how to do in-person church again, way back in February. Uh, Actually, most of the uh, talking heads in the church world now call what we have hybrid church, meaning that we are, and will always be in this new world we find ourselves in, a mixture of both in-person and online church. Uh, Statistically, only about 33% of people have returned to in-person church around the country, today excluded. Uh, My my best guess is that we are at about 39%. Uh, Of the other 61% for us and 67% on average, some are what we would call de-churched, meaning that they have just stopped going to church at all. And the rest experience the church service online, both live on our live stream and on demand at some point later in the week. Uh, Hybrid church is a complex blessing overall. 
a blessing in that it allows people from all over to be a part of Dayspring. We now have regular Dayspringers who live in other parts of Oregon, Idaho, Texas, Washington, and Arizona, and who knows where else because of the ability to be anonymous, which also makes hybrid church complex. We want to make sure that we are actually helping these new distance friends grow. Uh, we feel the responsibility for everyone God entrusts to our spiritual care. Uh, week to week, more than half of Dayspring continues to participate in church from someplace other than here. Uh, for those of you who haven't physically been in the room during a church service uh, since uh, the COVID shutdown in March of 2020 or ever, if you are watching from somewhere else other than, uh, somewhere other than Kaiser, the in-person crowd seems to have gotten used to four or five cameras at any given time and teleprompters everywhere, uh, everywhere you turn. And I think John, Michelle, and I are getting more natural in front of the cameras. I do have to say, our tech team rocks. Yes. Yes, every now and then something crazy goes crazy like it did a few weeks ago and apparently today. But overall, the army of tech people we now have are amazing. And I'm not just saying that because they can mute me, turn off the lights, make the teleprompter go backwards and add 40 pounds with the camera. I may be scared to make them mad at me, but I really mean it. They are awesome. You know, now that I think about it, I think they've done all of those things to me already, accidentally. Hmm. We need to get a new lens for the camera. I'll lose 40 pounds like that. The takeaway here is love your tech team. Another difference between 2020 and 2021 has to do with our spiritual journeys. Uh, from a pastor's perspective, when March of 2020 hit and the world shut down, it felt like too many people's spiritual momentum hit a brick wall. Uh, reinventing every aspect of living took everything we had emotionally and physically, which didn't leave much to invest spiritually. Uh, for a while there, it felt like lots of Christians everywhere, not just at Dayspring, were just treading water, spiritually speaking. But we kept at it. And in the rest of our time together today, I want to do something that has become a bit of a tradition uh, for us on the last Sunday of the year. I want to take a look back at the spiritual journey that we've been on together this past year and get some big picture perspective. Uh, before we do that, indulge me a little as we take a rabbit trail. Uh, in January of 2020, we introduced you to our discipleship strategy. If you were here or you've been through our Explore 201 class, you remember this graphic. Uh, although I recognize that you've probably forgotten most of it. That's okay. We pastors haven't, and we're committed to bringing this to life in your life in the way we do church together. Uh, I'm not going to talk through this in detail. Sign up for Explore 201 in February if you haven't taken it already. Look at it again if you have. I've included a copy in the online version of the message notes this week. But let me just highlight in a broad brush stroke kind of way what spiritual growth looks like and frame the way you think about our weekend service. Now first, the spiritual journey is a continuum with four recognizable movements, if you will. The first is exploring Christ. 
Uh, people in this category have not yet made the decision to surrender their lives to Christ. Yet. Uh, they are spiritually curious. They might even be regular attenders, but they haven't bought into everything Jesus. Yet. The growing in Christ category would have what we might call baby Christians in it. They are young in Christ, which means that those in the close to Christ category are our spiritual teens and Christ-centered are spiritual adults. By the way, just to be clear, this has nothing to do with your physical age. It has little to do with how long you've attended church. It is about how you have chosen to embrace the process of becoming like Jesus. Believing like Jesus, thinking like Jesus, acting like Jesus. When it comes to our weekend service, we always want those who are exploring Christ to be drawn to Christ. Whatever series we might be working our way through, our hope is that uh, is everything that they experience and hear will help them uh, choose to follow Christ with their lives. Uh, we want uh, people in this category to get a picture, hopefully an attractive picture, of what a relationship with God looks like through Christ. Attractive enough that they'll want to open the box and put the puzzle of their life with Christ together. Uh, for baby Christians, the weekend service is about helping them begin to identify all of the pieces of the puzzle. Like, oh, Christians believe that. And oh, God is like that. And Christians act like that. And God is love. And God is just and righteous and merciful. We're just helping them identify all of the pieces that will eventually need to come together. And often it's just a messy pile of pieces that need to be sorted and turned right side up. Uh, for those of you in this category, the weekend message is often about giving you the information you need to understand what becoming like Christ looks like, uh, which they begin to do in that next category that we call close to Christ. People in this category are beginning to make connections between different theologies and practices and seeing how they complement each other. You see more glimpses of Jesus in the puzzle of their lives as a result, but it's far from complete. So while those growing in Christ, for those growing in Christ, the message is about information for those of you in the close to Christ category, the weekend message is often about spurring on your motivation to keep putting the pieces together as you become more like Christ. And Christ-centered or spiritual adults have not only connected those theologies and practices, but are living them out in a way that lets others see uh, the picture of Jesus that is coming together in their lives. Uh, if you are in this category, then the weekend message is less about information, less about motivation, and more about activation. As you realize your responsibility to help others on their journeys. Uh, through the message, I want to give you the language to explain something that you are already living out. And the student becoming a teacher is a powerful spiritual growth tool for the teacher. Does that make sense? Three shuns 
Information, motivation, activation. Now, life is never this simple, so reality means that there will be crossover, and no matter what stage of spiritual growth you are in, you are responsible to share what you know. But I think you get the point. Uh, One more thing about spiritual growth. Everything that I've just talked about falls under the overarching definition of spiritual growth. And for that, let's look at Galatians chapter uh, chapter 5, verses 13 uh, and 14. If I can find it on my notes here. Whose idea was this? (laughs) Okay, Paul writes there to the church in Galatia. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law is summed up by love. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. Not just the people you love but the people you don't want to love, if you get my drift. Which means that spiritual growth is not knowing more about God or the Christian life, although that helps, but it isn't about information. Some of the most spiritually mature people in history have known less information than even baby Christians have access to today. Spiritual growth comes down to this one thing. Did I love more today than I did yesterday? Did I love more today than I did yesterday? So my job, if you will, is to give you everything you need, information and motivation for you to have activation as lovers like Jesus more today than yesterday. And for the record, not just by the words I say up here on the stage, but the way I live them out everywhere. Uh, teaching from the biblical perspective is about how I live my life more than what I say, which is also true for you, for the record, because we all teach somebody. So I have to love more today than yesterday as part of modeling and motivation. So now as we break down our last year together, understand that we are holistic about how we think of all of this. You are one whole person. I am one whole person, body, mind, and soul. Brokenness in one area impacts the rest. Brokenness keeps me from fully loving like Jesus, no matter where it is in my life. Emotional brokenness, emotional unhealth impacts spiritual health. So we started 2021 looking at our emotional health in a series we called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, based on the book uh, and materials by Peter Scazzaro. In order to love deeply like Jesus, we must be emotionally healthy. And although emotional brokenness has been around since the fall of creation, the further our culture separates from Judeo-Christian values, the more brokenness we experience. Because even though Satan has always been at work trying to mess up cultural values, uh, mess us up, cultural values held some of that evil in check. Now those cultural values are crumbling faster than ever, which means more brokenness. And looking through the lens of our brokenness, we often develop a distorted view of God, others, and even ourselves. 
Uh, If you were here for this series, you'll remember that my broken childhood left me believing that I could only be loved if I solved your problem, which translated to how I believed God viewed me. If I did good things on his behalf, I could earn his love. Even though my heart believed in grace and a salvation that couldn't be earned, even though I knew in my heart what God's word said, there was a disconnect with my broken mind, and I had a distorted view of God. I didn't live out that truth that I knew holistically, and it took me too long to learn to live it out consistently, what I knew um, to be true biblically. God loves me because God is love, period. That's enough. Now, that's just a simple example. Divorce, abuse, bullying, stress, anxiety, fear, father wounds, mother wounds, life experience. I mean, the list is endless. Emotional brokenness impacts our spiritual health. All of those things have spiritual implications, spiritual overtones. So we looked at seven principles to help us regain some semblance of emotional health. Uh, During the same period, our growth groups and Bible studies were going through these materials more deeply. Expect that in 2022, we will be offering a two-day workshop workshop on the materials again for those who have joined us since then or who want to go through them again to take more steps. Then, in the weeks leading up to Easter, we took a look at how we got the Bible. Uh, If you grew up in church like I did, the way you got your Bible is very different than the way we got the Bible. And we lived in a very different world. Back in my day, that makes me old, Back in my day, when I walked uphill both ways to school, you could say, because the Bible says so. And that was enough. Even people who didn't follow the Bible understood that the Bible was the foundation of our culture. Uh, My grandparents on the Voight side are some of the most Christian, non-Christians you'll ever meet. Their values, for the most part, align with biblical values, because that's just how it used to be. Now, we know that God has written that truth on their hearts, whether they acknowledge it or not. But it's different today. Today, the Bible is no longer accepted as an authority for living. You know this. You've, you've heard it all, too. We live in a much more ecumenical, all truth is valid, all religions are valid, my truth is the truth kind of world. Our kids are indoctrinated in it. Even kids who go to church are at the very least confused And because nobody really knows how we got the Bible, those of us who follow Christ have a hard time defending it. So this series was about helping those who are exploring Christ and growing in Christ begin to understand why we can trust the Bible. And for those who are close to Christ and Christ-centered, it was designed to give you the language to talk about the Bible. What we learned is that the Bible didn't start with the beginning It began at the end, almost the end. It began because after the resurrection of Jesus, too many people saw him alive when he should have been dead. Uh, There was no question that he had died. His death was an irrefutable fact. But so many people saw him alive after he was dead that he was also irrefutably alive. And so a first century doctor named Luke, who hadn't been a Christ follower before the crucifixion, but became one after the resurrection, decided to write an orderly account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for one of his friends. And that document helped not only his friend Theophilus, but many other people as well. And Luke tells us that he wasn't the only one trying to make sense of Jesus. 
Lots of people were doing the same, which was unusual for that time period. But what Luke wrote helped so many people that it was put together with three other documents that we now know and we now call the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were all written about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But initially, they were just documents. And these documents became so valuable to the early Christians that they were copied over and over and over to be shared. Even scraps of them were considered to be more valuable than gold and silver. And these first century Christians died to protect them. And then their interest in Jesus' backstory elevated the Jewish scriptures that we now call the Old Testament. The church essentially adopted the Jewish manuscripts as their own, which didn't make the Jews very happy. They didn't appreciate outsiders corrupting their manuscripts by reading things about this Jesus into them. And then some letters written by leaders in the early church were saved and shared, and eventually, along with the four Gospels, became what we call the New Testament. But it all started with just the testimony of Luke, who interviewed everybody he could about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and then wrote it down so that it would make sense. If Jesus had stayed dead, there wouldn't have been anything to write about. When he died, there was no movement. There was no church. There was no Christianity. There were only disappointed people who had given up everything to follow him. If he had stayed dead, they would have eventually returned to their old lives as fishermen, tax collectors, prostitutes, and whatever. If he had stayed dead, we wouldn't be gathered here today. We would never even have heard about Jesus because there wouldn't have been anything noteworthy to write about. But because too many people saw him alive when he should have been dead, we are here today. And now you know the rest of the story. How we got the Bible led us into a series we called Essentials, which was a survey of some of the essential theology that the Bible teaches. What we believe about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the human condition, salvation, the church, and the end times. Our culture preaches a different theology than the Bible. No surprise there. In fact, we are immersed in a worldview that is opposed to the work of Christ in this world. And the enemy of Christ, the enemy of our souls, often disguises lies in almost truths, which at the end of the day are still lies. But he fools too many people with almost truths. So, much like banks teach their employees to recognize a counterfeit bill, not by studying counterfeit bills, but by learning to recognize the real deal when they see it, we want to study the truth and let the, that truth expose the lies for us. When it comes to theology, we think about it this way. There is what we call essential theology, which was what the series was all about. Essential theology takes its cue from the word essential. In other words, if you don't believe it, then you are out of alignment with Scripture and likely following a false Jesus. For example, if you don't believe Jesus rose from the dead, we have a problem. If you don't believe that God is sovereign overall, we have a problem. Uh, the truth we find in the Bible is very clear and there is very little wiggle room. Besides essential theology, we have non-essential theology. And with non-essential theology, good Christians can have differing opinions and still be good Christians. Uh, for example, was the earth created in six literal days, or are they metaphorical days? The Bible is unclear, 
And good Christian theologians have different ideas about that. And that's okay. Should we share in communion every time we have church or is once every four to six weeks okay? Should we baptize by sprinkling or immersion? Uh, What is the role of women in the home and in church leadership? All of that and much more is non-essential theology. It's okay to disagree and still be in unity. Where the Bible is unclear or silent, we have liberty as long as we are using our freedom to serve one another in love. Which brings us to 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John in the series we called, How Do You Recognize a Christian? Lots of people call themselves Christian. That's why I often say Christ follower instead of Christian. It's too easy to call yourself a Christian in the U.S. In fact, here in the U.S., just over 70% of us claim to be Christian. But pre-COVID, weekly church attendance was just 35%. And it's worse now, even with the growth of online options. And only 32% of Christians read their Bible every day. So lots of people think they are Christians, but too few actually act like they are Christians. And that means for people who are searching, looking to, to see if Jesus makes a difference in someone's life, we send mixed messages. We say Christ is the most important part of our lives, but you don't see him reflected in our marriages, in the way we handle money, the way we spend our time, what we look at on the internet or watch on streaming services, in the workplace, even in how we just treat other people on a day-to-day basis. So if you are searching for someone to show you what it means to follow Christ, what should you be looking for? What characteristics would make someone stand out in a crowd? And for those of us who follow Christ, what characteristics should we be cultivating in our lives? For us, these are also marks of maturity. And as we learned, the Apostle John had a pretty black and white view of it when it comes to the way we live. The first characteristic we unpacked came from 1 John uh, chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. There, John wrote, This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we see the first characteristic there in verse 7, living in the light. We also call that walking in the light. And here in this graphic, we gave a simple illustration of what that looked like. No matter what, what your stage of spiritual growth, whether you're a baby Christian, a teen Christian, and a, a spiritual adult, and by that I don't mean your physical age, your spiritual age, um, no matter where you are, um, with whatever you do know about following Christ, when you evaluate your life through the lens of the cross, when you keep your eyes on Jesus, you rely on the righteousness of Christ to help you become like Jesus. In, and in this case, what you see about your life bouncing back in the mirror is filtered through the cross. Whereas when we turn and just end up and look at the mirror, we end up evaluating the cross in light of our life. life which makes us self-righteous. Walking in the light is closely linked to obedience. 
In fact, John described three components or characteristics of walking in the light, the first of which is obedience. So just a few verses later in chapter 2, John writes, But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. And what we learned here is that truly walking in the light of obedience isn't just about the bad that you don't do, but it's also about choosing the best right. It isn't the absence of bad, but the presence of good that is expressed as love. There's that pesky love thing again. And since it's in the second characteristic of walking in the light, I guess it won't ever go away. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 7. Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one that you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment, to love one another, is the same message you heard before. Uh, Love one another. In fact, uh, most of us were a little surprised to learn that uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, easily the most famous chapter on love in the Bible, isn't the place where love is talked about the most. It's right here in 1 John. Because here's the deal. Because I can not sin and still not love. I can not have an affair and still not love Didi the way God calls me to. Love is the highest expression of obedience. Agape love is the best right that we should choose. Now, discernment was the third characteristic of walking in the light. Obedience, love, and discernment. The ability to tell the difference between right or wrong. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. The world does not. People without the Holy Spirit are in bondage to the systems of this world that are controlled by Satan, the liar. They can't tell the difference between truth and error because they belong to those systems, which, by the way, should make us pity them, not hold them in judgment. That's what love does. And an even greater expression of love would be to love them to Jesus. With the Holy Spirit, we can tell the difference. Now, we learned a lot more in that series, but that's a good start. Uh, Our next series was how to get through what you're going through. How to get through what you're going through. Uh, Oregon ranks at the top of the list when it comes to mental health. In a bad way. We are among the worst, if not the lowest, state when it comes to mental health management. We are messed up. COVID hasn't helped. Dealing with loss, grieving our losses in the best of times is hard, but the the past two years haven't been the best of times. They've compressed a decade's worth of losses into a very short season. Kids lost prom, sports, school, normal. We lost jobs, financial security. People suffered cancer alone, spent time in the hospital alone. We lost dreams. We lost momentum. We lost relationships. We lost loved ones and didn't get to share our losses in community. We have some people here at Dayspring who never had a memorial service for their loved one. As we learned, loss is far more than just physical death. Grieving happens for all loss. All loss brings pain, and there is lots to grieve. And the circumstances of COVID forced us to shelve it, stuff it, ignore it. 
which we're pretty good at all the time anyway. But eventually, it leaks out. It explodes out, often in unhealthy ways, without the tools to process it well. As Rick Warren, the pastor of Saddleback Community Church in California said, there is a tsunami of grief headed our way, and the churches that equip their people to navigate it well and to help their loved ones navigate it well will make a huge impact. So we learned how to navigate loss in healthy, God-honoring ways. We looked at six steps, shock, sorrow, struggle, surrender, sanctification, and service. And we are healthier as a result. I know many of you dug deep and dealt with some loss that has been locked away for years and years and years. Great work. That's growth. And because we only like to deal with easy topics, money was next on our list in our series, If Money Talked. Now, I've got to be honest here. When we've talked about money uh, in the past, and remember, I've been here 21 years, so I've heard many versions of money series. But in the past, we've only heard two things when money was the topic. The tithers, and by now, uh, if you were here for the series, you know that I don't support that word, but the tithers would say, preach it, pastor. They, those non-tithers, need to hear it and step up. On the other hand, there were the people who felt guilty or thought we just wanted their money, or talked about money too much, or you can't squeeze blood out of a turnip. All of that is probably the normal response when most pastors talk about money. So I've got to say, I heard so much positive feedback from you across the entire spectrum of spiritual maturity. We all learned more about what the Bible says about money, which coincidentally lines up with what our money would say if it could talk. We learned that money is a great means to an end that isn't you. And everyone should figure out what end or ends they are living for, and their money will follow. We learned that money is a much better servant than, than a master. And the only way to prove that you have your kingdom priorities right, tangibly, is to send it away. Because if you haven't surrendered what you have, then you haven't surrendered. If you haven't given him access to what you own, then he doesn't really have access to you. And you have opted for the lesser of two masters. And dare I say, we were all challenged to think about what it means to be a steward of someone else's money. Someone who still owns 100% of the money that he has entrusted to you to leverage for his kingdom purposes. Now, I know that some of you took me up on my money-back guarantee. And from what I've heard so far, the money he's entrusted to me is safe and sound in my bank account because of the blessing you are experiencing. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'd encourage you to go back and watch those messages on demand or any of the ones that we've just talked about, or you can listen to them on our podcast. And that brings us to uh, an unexpected Christmas. Uh, since we've just finished this one, the only thing I'll say here is that I think we were all uh, surprised to think of the traditional Christmas story in an untraditional way. And how fantastic is it that the perfect little baby came from an imperfect family? And that is proof that there is room in the family for you and me. Now, as we close, between now and next Sunday. Find a quiet moment 
to ask yourself, how am I different today than I was last year? How have I grown? And am I a better agape lover for the kingdom of heaven? I'm excited about what's to come in the new year. But before we get there, let's put this year to rest. And if you're brave enough, will you email me and let me know how you've grown? It would be such an encouragement to our pastors to hear that from you, especially those of you that we don't get to see face-to-face very often. It doesn't have to be long. I'd rather have a few simple sentences and hear from you than nothing. Let's pray. Ah, Father, what a journey. It's hard to sum up everything that we learned, really, in just a few minutes. But because your word is alive, uh, it's living and active, and it pierces into the very core of our being, the marrow of our bones, (laughs) we know that your word has been at work in our lives. Isaiah 55 says that your word goes out and it never returns void. It always accomplishes its purposes. Father, may we be the kind of people who open ourselves to its purposes more and more. May we be the kind of people that are more responsive to what we hear and learn from you and your word. And may that translate not to just more head knowledge about you or heart knowledge about you, but may it translate to the way we live out our love for you in the lives of other people. May we love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. And the same true tomorrow and the day after that. Do your perfect work in our lives, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Please reach out if you have any questions or want help on your spiritual journey. My email address is on the screen, or you can call the church during the week. For those of you who make this ministry possible with your financial giving, Thank you for your generosity and faithfulness. We know God is doing something in you when you give, but he also does something through you. If you're just checking us out today, please know that we don't expect you to give anything to support Dayspring. That is a responsibility of our Dayspringers. Just enjoy the rest of your day. If you'd like to start giving, we have three easy ways for you to get us your gift. Please see the online giving section of our website or text GIVE to the number on your screen or mail a check to us at the address you'll find on our website. Also, thank you for liking and sharing and following Dayspring on whatever platform you are on. It means a lot to me when you pass on the good news of Jesus to your friends and family. Until next week, may you experience God's favor and blessing here.